Welcome back to Higher Special, everybody. Can't Welcome. wait for this one, Tom. <laughs> I wanted to mirror you what you just said. Welcome back to Higher. But then you cut me off, but that's totally fine. I'll allow it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm very excited. I know, me too, me too, me too. Because normally we've we've been slacking off a little bit on the specials, but we brought them back in style last month. And I'm quite pleased that we're going to do the second one already because today's a really important day for the world. Today's World AIDS Day. And for anybody who is not entirely familiar with what World AIDS Day um, uh, entails, especially in this year where it's received such a boost and so much wider um, than, and I'm saying just in parentheses, just um, the disease, Nikki, what's happening in World AIDS Day? What's happening today? Yes, absolutely. We're actually doing an event and work as well, which is going to be really great. I'm really excited to bring a couple of guests that I know pretty well from Ireland into, into PMI and talk about it because we also want to end the stigma around AIDS and HIV. So this is going to be a really great session next week, but we can talk a little bit about it today too. But basically, I've been looking around and seeing what's happening and the, the main thing is, well, I'm looking at UN right now. So what they're th- doing and a lot of other charitable uh, organizations have also gone down the same route, but it's ending inequalities and AIDS and pandemics because this year is really highlighting the urgent need to end inequalities that drive AIDS and other pandemics because now we're also in COVID-19. So we feel that potentially trying to end other um, issues we have in the world like AIDS could be prolonged because of COVID-19 because the pandemic is going on and it's also an aspiring social and economic crisis which means that the inequalities are going to grow even more so basically there's a big highlight on this that we need to stick to that target of 2030 which is in the UN but it could be compromise because of what's happening in the world right now so when you think about that we can talk about this now I guess but the inequalities and how they get wider during these times as well um, and it's really showing especially in these other um, medical crises I guess um, not just COVID but other things that are happening because of COVID um, you even see it in local things like in Ireland and people aren't able to go and have their operations they're not able to have their normal routine mm. things but they're also not able to get their really needed um, care as well in hospitals so how is this going to affect all of that going forward? Well, that's a really fascinating um, vantage point. I'm going to give them a shout out now just because I love the organization. Um, I am working um, pro bono with an organization out of uh, Geneva called Connect Aid. So they call themselves the Global Solidarity Network and uh, are trying to, with the resource that they have at hand, to help not-for-profits around the world, but also individual philanthropists and corporates um, to have a greater impact and reach in their philanthropic work. And I was in a discussion with them recently, and we sort of we disseminated a little bit um, the sustainable development goals that are issued by the United Nations, because strangely, um, while they give us language to talk about you know positive change in the world, they also segregate the issue a little bit. It's quite interesting because some of them focus um, specifically on the environment, some of them focus specifically on um, um, equality and economic development, um, social injustice and what have you. But all of these things are connected, like you've just mentioned. We can't make progress on one end without also progressing um, the other, or see, for example, advances in uh, environmental stewardship be hindered by social conflict mm-hmm. and um, and inequality. One example, for instance, is there's um, a lot of so pirates, 
you know, um, mm-hmm. in the Zeus channel, for example, um, are always in the uh, under fire from um, media. But eventually, the you know they're driven into piracy, piracy because uh, their crops are failing in their country, and the way that um, it, the international aid network is functioning, it doesn't really allow them to build a self-sufficient economy. Um, right, so suddenly we're seeing um, environmental decay through piracy in fisheries in places where there shouldn't be any because it's unregulated, because of conflict and an issue on the more sort of social side of things as it comes to the sustainable mm. development goals. So, um, yeah, I've heard that sentiment before, and I find it really interesting that we must start to think more holistically about the solutions. Um, yeah, for sure, need. for sure, because it's it's something that there's a perception that. In a time of crisis, it's not the right t- time to prioritize mm. tackling the underlying social injustices. But it's clear if you don't do it, then the inequalities become larger, and then you're back to square one, right? You're even back to not sticking to your plan and and having it prolonged, which you can't happen, especially in something like this. Um, so I think it's really really important that we tackle the inequalities at the same time because it just gets worse during a crisis. Really, not not any better and you know, there's, it has to be a part of a matter of urgency. And it is part of the sustainable development goals as well to reduce inequalities, as you've already mentioned. Um, so it has to be done in tandem. And as it also said, holistically, because you can't just treat one part without treating the rest. No, that's very true, which is why I love this episode, especially um, today, as we have published it on Wednesday, because we wanted it to coincide with uh, World AIDS Day um, to commemorated to send out our gratitude for everybody who's working um to uh, for aids alleviation and uh to who cleans up stigma um around mm-hmm. around what aids is and where it is and how it's actually affecting the world um but what it also meant this is the trade-off you know because there's always one yesterday was giving tuesday which is one of my favorite days um mm-hmm. around the year i'm just going to read from the homepage really quickly for anybody out there listening that thinks giving tuesday what is this So Giving Tuesday is an opportunity for people around the world to come together through generosity in all its forms by sharing acts of kindness and giving their voice, time, money, goods, and advocacy to support communities and causes. Um, It's a global movement. It's united around this specific organization, but also the specific hashtag. And so in the spirit of the holidays, which are um, encroaching on all of us, and uh, the darker the, the darker months, at least on the in the northern hemisphere, um, this is just a quick reminder to everybody: what have you given recently? Whether it's money, whether it's um, aid to on either um, not for profits organizations that operate globally, or thy neighbor. This is our appeal to you today. Just you know, when you get out of this episode, give it a quick think and see what you've done for somebody else recently. And if you haven't, it's time to catch up. Mm-hmm, absolutely and you always talk about this and we've done it before in my family but and in, sometimes instead of buying stuff for christmas or presents <laughs> which we end up having loads of especially when you've got like stuff. loads of kids in the family like how we do like loads of nieces and nephews um what about giving you know what did you give before you gave um vouchers for charity or yeah. uh plant a tree or Mm, adopt a donkey we've done that before in our family <laughs> <laughs> yeah well not a we don't have the donkey in our field or in our, the garden or anything yeah. but you 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 give money to help support a donkey for the year and you get your 
you know, your pictures and your things like that and you see where it's going. Um, those things we've definitely done in our family before, which is really nice. And yes, it gives you a bit of a, oh, I'm a great human for, for giving money to there. But um, I think it's also a really good thing. If we don't do that more often, I mean, who's going to do it, right? So there are sides of it where you think you're you're just... You know, it's like you ticking a box going, oh, yeah, I've sent money to there. I feel better for myself. <laughs> Sometimes you can. It does feel it's like that, you know. But if we don't do it, then who's going to do it? So you do have to do this. Types of How dare you beat me at my own game? Charitable <laughs> contributions for Christmas. This is just so rude. Because you always talk about it. So <laughs> I brought it true. in. <laughs> I brought it oh, in. Thank no, you because for it's so this cool. Up. It is a good idea. It's really, it's a good idea. I mean, what I try to do for Christmas, I don't know what we're talking about, um, Christmas gifts and, you know, also for whether it's it's Christmas, it's December, but also for any, um, for any of you out there that do not subscribe to, uh, to Christmas as a holiday around this, (laughs) so around this time, it's whenever you want to give presents to anybody, um, whatever um, uh, holiday you uh, you lean towards to in terms of celebration. I've started doing this a couple of years ago. This was probably a year after we have issued a ban on giving useless trinkets to one another, which my mother was very fond of doing, which were always greatly delightful, but then ended up in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh, I said enough is enough. You know, we don't pack and we don't even wrap our Christmas gifts in, in Christmas paper anymore. It's going to be a newspaper and nice sort of cloths. Um, so it's still Christmassy, but there's just so much wastage that goes into into the whole experience. And uh, eventually I didn't want to give things to people anymore that they don't need. So I said, here's your voucher. Uh, tell me within the next month um, what you want your uh, charitable charitable contribution to go towards to, and I will make the transaction. And if you don't tell me within the month, it will be a charity of my choosing, uh, which has been great cool. recently. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, so this is always a good well, time. So yeah, giving to, sorry, go on. No, no, I was going to say on top of that, I just got it as a gift for doing a video for... Um, it's not coming. It's not out yet. So it's coming out on the sixth of December. So I'm not sure if I can talk about it. But anyway, I was part of a video interview uh, talking about hockey, basically back to my sporting career. But what they gave me as part of my thank you was eleven trees. So I was able to go and plant them. Well, not really, but on online. <laughs> and they're in Kenya. And I was able to name them all. So I named all my trees. I had 11 because it was linked to hockey. So I got 11 of them, which was awesome. And then I just had all these tree codes and I was able to put it in to it's a website called treedom.net mm-hmm. and go and have a look now because it's really cool and you can gift them and i can even gift one of these trees to someone else as well um but i renamed them and they're going to be planted in kenya that was pretty cool well but now the challenge for you obviously <laughs> is to rattle down the 11 names that you've chosen no <laughs> speaking of trees well, and again sandra you... nikki dory juno Tom, you're one as well, actually. I'm a tree? <laughs> yeah, oh. you're a tree. <laughs> oh, how marvelous. Um, Lausanne, I think I named one too. <laughs> <laughs> Lausanne and Kenya, fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of trees, again, if you subscribe to Christmas as uh, one, of your, one of your annual holidays, uh, I recently discovered a marvelous, marvelous, marvelous scheme um, for Christmas trees because, uh, again, either people buy them from plastic and then they fall apart because they're low grade and then yet they have to be incinerated uh, or they get chopped down and then they last for three, four weeks and uh, then they have to be gone again. But there's a lot, a lot of interesting 
uh, new concepts out there where you can actually you almost you you rent your tree so it arrives at your place with roots and everything intact um and mm-hmm. so you actually have a live tree in your house which also means that it doesn't shed as many needles and uh, then when you're finished and christmas is done um they come to collect it again they replant it for you and next year you just go and uh, meet your tree again for another round that's awesome. i think that's a really what really, it gets, like, really big though so what happens when it grows really big well, I think with anything that has to do with uh, d- genetic uh, manipulation, I don't think the dwarf trees. I don't think they grow as as, uh, as high as a normal as a normal tree would. But um, definitely give it a quick Google and see if you've got a service like mm. this, um, mm-hmm. like this in your in your area, wherever you are around the world. Hi from Switzerland, by the way. Um, and so this way we can Hi, reduce the wastage, the wastage around Christmas. Very good. I mean, there's plenty of things we can do around that time of year. Anyway, oh. we've di- digressed a bit into something else. <laughs> you think? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a second. Can I just interject something really quickly? Because we speak about, yeah. uh, I just spoke about Giving Tuesday, which please check it out. I'll leave a couple of, I've left a couple of links in the show notes below. Um, wonderful little gift. A friend of mine recently reached out to me and said, mm, I had this uh, situation at work and do, do, do and uh, I had to, um, I need to navigate. I didn't quite know how. And then, I uh, fished for an episode um, of your of your show, uh, which was our episode with Carson Tate, all about how to take the power back in the job that you have and actually transform oh, it back into your, she was fabulous that southern drawl, mm-hmm. uh, transform it back into transform it back into your dream job and um, yeah, I just got a quick note that the episode really helped her out in a very tangible and practical way. So, for any of you out there that are regular listeners, we'd love to get a little bit of news from you here about how we're doing. Uh, what do you think of the show you can leave in the comment of this uh, episode where we, we post um, these episodes on LinkedIn or on Go Higher Podcast on Instagram um, but our email is also down in the description um, in the description below so if you have a minute just let us know what you think we're dying to know absolutely always want to get better and do things and surround ourselves with people who can help us get better too right tom we love doing that and this is why we have so many amazing guests on our show Mm. and we need to figure out what's going to happen next year as well so if anyone out there would love to come on the show as well give us some of their insights we're also very welcome for you to uh to catch up with us and drop us a line and we'll be sure to to contact you well, obviously, but I think, you know, before we, because we, we keep these special episodes um, for ourselves for a reason, because obviously, you know, as with any, because the show is a thing of passion for us, but it's also a venture, you know, we can't just do this for free. Um, so, and for any entrepreneurial venture to be successful, the niche is quite critical. So our niche, in case, just to rub it in everybody's face and spoon feed you the truth, is to empower you in your career journeys, whether this is being in a job, leaving a job attaining a new job or even finding your path is to help you have an easier time at it because both Nikki and I believe that we all have so much more to give to the places where we work than just the hours that we put in and uh, but oftentimes it's just such a struggle to stay afloat and to keep going um, that we want you to have an easier time at it as to liberate some of that mind space and some of that mental capacity that we all have for you to find your values and to find what you believe in and to encourage you to become vocal advocates for it at work and the places that you share with other people so that we can help and start change companies from the inside and in turn make them contribute to uh, 
to the values that you subscribe to on a global scale. And mm -hmm. in the spirit of World AIDS Day, I thought, Nikki, we talk a little bit about what's cooking in the diversity, equity, inclusion corridor, which you are so very passionate about. Um, what are you seeing these days? What are, what is what is piquing your interest? What's good? Well, actually, I read a good article today, and it's very true. So a lot of companies are failing. Like we're we're they're coming. They're bringing in DE and I programs or chief diversity officers or all these different things, but they're a lot of them are failing still because they're not thinking uh, back to your word earlier, but holistically about it. They're just going, oh great, let's focus on being diverse hmm. and that's great you've got more diverse people in the company but if you're not actually doing the rest of it including these people putting people onto the you know bringing them to the table putting them in bigger positions and really being part of the company then it's not working at all and also the equity of it so hmm. you're bringing people in great diverse people but um is it really at the same level is it the same pay is it all those things that you need to remember but not just bringing in diverse employees so that's where they're failing completely um also one of the biggest things which you always talk about is employee resource groups so again some companies are like yes we've got diverse employees via our people and culture or our hr departments we're just like attracting or we're, we're trying to bring in more diverse but they don't have then the infrastructure internally to to keep the people so retention is a big thing so you'll bring in diverse people but then they won't stay because they don't see the full structure they don't see that you've got um a proper foundation within the company to help them develop when they're there they'll just leave again because they don't have that support they don't have an employee resource group they don't have the understanding hr people that know you know culture as well so within pmi we call it people and culture so for us it's like how do we bring that culture into the company as well it's not just having the diverse people so this is a big thing right now i think we went through a phase of everybody just having dni or deni now and um, having someone or having a small team that's the other point actually the teams are far too small so they're they're saying they have an ind department but it's too small and they can't cover everything mm -hmm. now the other way to adapt that is a little bit the same as when i'm talking about um inclusion um as part of it so you could have a diversity and inclusion department but then how does that work if it's very small how are they working with the rest of the people are they working with hr are they working with um all the departments all the functions or are they just like on their own in a silo as well so there's loads of different elements to it that it's i i understand companies are trying their best but they just they're doing one part it's a little bit like we were talking about with world aids day it's like or the inequalities we're we're focusing on one part of it we're not focusing on the whole thing and if you do that if you focus on the whole thing it's much more successful um and that's where they're falling down right now and there's huge amount of companies in this list of the article i read that are just can't find the right um formula because they're too focused on one thing mm. if you know what i mean it's it's such a i, I love the way that you speak about these topics i just <laughs> i want you to have the biggest platform on the planet um for for as right. yeah so that as many people as possible can can listen to this and learn because what i've noticed this the same the sustainability segment is that mm. the thinking appears to be about a year ahead of yes organizations abilities to structurally 
integrate this thinking into their operations, uh, which is so baffling. It is so perplexing because all the solutions or the answers seem to be out there, but there seems to be this inertia, this barrier mm -hmm. of integration that really only can be resolved with a time and be with, you know, what we spoke about earlier with uh, with grassroots, I don't want to call it activism, but um, mm. people being vocal about what they believe mm. their places of work should provide and uh, and be like. And even from just a tactical standpoint for um, for companies, if you are somebody who is concerned about and by and with diversity, equity and inclusion topics, going to job interviews and asking these tough questions a takes a lot of courage and b you know because it is it's not properly seeded throughout the organizations just yet if you don't have these employee resource groups it's possible mm. that you won't find somebody in the interview process who can actually provide you with clear insights as to whether mm -hmm. this is a company that you want to spend that you don't only want to join but actually mm -hmm. contribute to in the long run so companies having Employee resource groups also have more resources to talk to talent, to attract talent, mm -hmm. to really make a proper dialogue and assessment of um, of mutual fit. So even mm -hmm. from a tactical standpoint of getting the right people into your companies, mm -hmm. I think we should all endeavor to get our employee resource groups up and running. And they're For not sure. unions, huh? just to just to make this point very clear. This is not a union. What's the no. difference? No, and um, that was a big thing we just went through. So we're, I'm sure I'm able to talk about it a little bit. But we we tried to bring all the well, we did we didn't try we brought all the ERGs together this year because you know we always felt um we wanted to be intersectional about it as as the group I'm within. So with stripes I'm in, um we always want to be intersectional. But you know it was the first year of ERGs, so it kind of got away with the, away from us a little bit. We all got stuck in our our what what we what are we going to do this year? Um how are we going to get up and running and structure? and everything like that so we brought everyone together then the, the last couple of weeks and um tried to align a bit more so going forward it's really key to do that if you're going to have your employee resource groups is to ensure that they're not in silos working separately because especially with the the you know marginalized or underrepresented 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 um, people which i prefer to say than marginalized um we need to work together because if we're separate, we're on our own little island, you know, and we're also um, small, you know, some of the groups are small. So we need to work together. And, and that's what happened. We brought everyone together. We aligned with our future goals and what we're going to do. And, and also with the company's future goals, along with IND. So with Inclusion and Diversity Department, because they're a key player as well. They're your key stakeholder if you're an employee resource group. Like you said, Tom, you're not like an employee council going to attack them. You have to work with them. And for us, it was a matter of bringing everyone together, all our key stakeholders, also our executive sponsors, which is a really important step for an ERG as well, is to have that senior leadership. Now, obviously, not all companies are as big as, as where I am, but you can still have a senior leader who's going to look after and help you to drive those employee resource groups. So they're so important. But it has to be done properly, right? They're important to be there, but they have to be structurally sound and, and able to help people, as you've mentioned. So if you've got a new employee joining and you say you've got an employee resource group, make sure you do have it properly set up. Make sure that it's someone that they can reach out to before they say yes to the job. Or is there anyone that can come to the induction days um, mm -hmm. to talk about it? Not just someone from IND, but someone from the ERG, because from the community and um, because that's really powerful you know if it's not just the 
you know, it's not just the HR person saying we've got an employee resource group, aren't we great? It's actually someone coming in from that group and and talking to the people and saying, look, yes, here we are. We're here for you. Come join us, whatever. Mm-hmm. All those things are really important because it's humanizing it a bit more as well. It's not just coming from HR and a bit like it's not just coming from senior leaders saying we really support all these groups. <laughs> you know, it's actually coming from the people. And that's yeah. the difference we've found we've we've made. It's actually coming from everything, all the comms. It's coming from us. It's not coming from IND or PNC. It's really coming from the people. This is super inspirational, aspirational, and magnificent. <laughs> and you know, the point about because there's an innate apparent silo that exists in these conversations where you would think okay employee resource groups and we've been faffing on about this now for 25 minutes anybody dialing in fresh to the show (laughs) hasn't heard us talking about this recently employee Mm -hmm. resource groups for the most part are um, groups that are formed out of employees of an organization most of the time at a voluntary basis around Mm -hmm. topics of uh, of underrepresentation at the workplace just by sheer numbers for example so you can have Mm -hmm. a resource group for the lgbtq plus community for um in if you're working in um in europe uh, for example especially in corporate uh, you will talk about more so um you know ethnic minorities be or be they um, religiously oriented um or um uh or or, or um race yeah. um then in depending on the company i feel like we've made pretty strong strides especially in the last two years but also women at work so anything that has mm-hmm. to do with um basically people not being white and not male yeah. <laughs> that need and to have a strong group as well huh Disabilities as well. And, dis- and, and, and um, yeah. disability or the differently abled. Um, yes. This is what an employee resource group is there for, just to um, collect and connect a voice and to bring relevance mm-hmm. if there are any issues um, where any of these communities feel themselves being disadvantaged um, structurally mm-hmm. inside of an organization. Um, but this converse, but this is an innate silo as well because people think, okay, it's just for these groups. But yeah. I think these are places of mutual learnings. It's almost like a topic that you hold up into the air and to say to everybody, whether you belong mm-hmm. to this group or not, um, or this uh, this uh, minority inside of the workplace. This we'll be talking about. Um, mm-hmm. Just come hither and just start to have a conversation. You know, it's not only mm-hmm. about the immediate effect and immediate change. It's an invitation to have a chat and just to, you know, flag. Uh, he's actually a topic we, I think we should all talk about. So this mm-hmm. is a resource group for every employee, not only for those belonging to this group. And they're so integrated as well. You know, I have so many people come to our sessions and they're like, oh, you're just no. like, oh, so you're just like, you're just like my name. You know, it is like, yeah, we're, you know, the same issues happen with all the people from these these groups that happen to every uh, anyone else you know mm. so i think it's a big eye opener for people to come along and as you just mentioned it's not just for the people part of those dimensions of ind it's it's for allies and the the important thing again so here's more information about why it, why it gets a bit i think why it doesn't work within companies um they don't gather their allies right so they again Mm. you're back to what you just said there they stay in their silos it's just talking to the same people a lot of the times I had the same in sport when it was a women in sport conference and I was like oh well if we're all just speaking to each other what's the point you know we have to have men and other and everyone else in those (laughs) conversations not just women so for me it's really important to do that and to join together and get everyone in the room that needs to be there but also you must give you know 
like we do on our podcast. Practical tips after each session too. So what do you do when you go away from it? You're not just there as an educational piece to hope that things go into their heads. It's what can you give them to do straight away, especially in allyship is always the biggest thing, right? Many people come to me and ask me, how can I be better? I want to be part of this. I want to be an ally, but how can I be a better ally? Because I, I support you, but that's it. You don't say anything else, right? So they want to know how to stand up, how to raise their voice. What should they say? How can they talk to people with different parts, dimensions of IND? How do I bring up the conversation? All these different things that allies can do to make even better allies. Um mm. I mean, the greatest example uh, over the weekend was Lewis Hamilton wearing a rainbow flag uh, helmet, Lewis Hamilton being the Formula One driver. Um, I think he's top right now in, in the in the world ranking. Um, he wore a rainbow helmet um, in Abu Dhabi, I think it was. Um, so <laughs> can you imagine that, that message that went out? Um, in a country like this uh so things like that that's him stepping up and using his voice and he does he didn't say anything either not using his voice but using his platform mm. um and just showing that he had support and he want he was supporting people from especially countries where it's it's really difficult when you're from the lgbt community so True. they're the type of things that i think sometimes f- companies fall down on as well like they have they say they have the erg groups great um but how does it actually affect the rest of the people especially allies and also the one thing you mentioned as well is the employer resource group being voluntary right so that is something that has to change because there's only so much momentum you can have as a volunteer doing this extra. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of, you know, conversations, difficult conversations, as you can imagine, throughout all the dimensions of IND, not just LGBTQ+. But when you think about it, like disability or differently abled, or you have all those discussions about hidden disabilities, all of these things. You have race, which is a really difficult conversation, in some, particularly in some countries. So it's it's a lot of effort. It's a lot of mind power. It's a lot of talking and trying to understand mm. each other and being open. And it takes a lot of energy. So I think one of the other times that companies fall down is because of that. It's a, it's a volunteer position. It needs to be integrated into your role, actually, as a, as a job. I think that what I want to leave everybody with, because <laughs> what we're trying to do is to keep these special episodes a little bit shorter as well as so a bit more yes. of a feel-good snack, you know, but then we're failing because we're too interested in ourselves <laughs> and the things that we have to say. <laughs> but something that you mentioned during our, um, where we had our guest appearance on Alex Moron's um, show, that lifelong learning really is the key to any of this. And with that mindset, with that attitude, you also keep, you know, the demons of disappointment in, you know, slow, processes a little bit at bay i think it's important that we step on the gas and we move Mm. as fast as possible but this is one of the really strong points that you've made that everybody enters into this journey of discovery um of a new topic um at Mm. different stages so lifelong Mm. learning is what i would love to leave people with and also a question uh because Mm -hmm. clearly this episode was the nick simmons show and i very much enjoyed (laughs) listening to it and so if there's anybody out there who would love for nikki to have uh (laughs) to maybe in the future start her own segment specifically around workplace (laughs) inclusion and diversity and equity and um anything in between for everything in between (laughs) and fabulousness do sound off in the comments on linkedin send us an email um, our email address is linked in all of the podcast players or just ping us a DM on Instagram. 
But I would say, Nikki Simmons, with that, we will let people enter into their December uh, on World AIDS Day, the day after Giving Tuesday. And Mm -hmm. um, we'll see you in the next episode with Dan Mangena, which is going to be very exciting in two weeks. Very exciting. (sighs) Thank you, Tom. Are we doing it? Let's do it. Uh, Are we doing it? Okay, in three, two, one. Let's Let's go go get get it. Hey!